Welcome to Your Cyber Path, the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job by sharing the secrets of experienced hiring managers and top cybersecurity professionals with you. Now, on to the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back. This is Your Cyber Path. We're the podcast that's going to help you get into your cybersecurity career, or if you already have your career underway, we are going to help you accelerate your career get more compensation, more responsibility. That's what this show is all about. I've got Jason Dion here to help uh, me do that. Hey, Jason. Hey, it's great to see you again, Kip, for another episode of Your Cyber Path. Oh, yeah. Listen, um, I'm really happy that we continue to be able to uh, make these episodes available. And um, I got to say, I mean, I just think, it, I just think it's fun to mm -hmm. get on here and, uh, and, and just talk with you about some stuff and just share what we know. We want to hear from you, by the way. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we'd love to hear what you think about it. If you have a suggestion for a topic, maybe you're struggling with something at work. You're trying to figure out, like, you know, how, how do I do well at this? And it could be a technical thing or it could be a more of a, of a people oriented thing. Right. Because we talk about how you've got to be successful with hard skills and also the so-called soft skills or the people skills. Doesn't matter if you're struggling in one of those areas, you're not sure what to do. Or how to deal with it, just come on over and pitch us your question. And we've got a spot on our website, yourcyberpath.com, where you can do that. Do you remember what the URL is for that, Jason? I don't remember off the top of my head. Yes. Yeah, so if you go to yourcyberpath.com slash ask, A-S-K. It's easy. Yes. Uh, just so you can ask your question of Kip and Jason. And That's in perfect. there, uh, it has the ability for you to enter your question in and do it by audio. Uh, which saves you a lot of typing. And you can simply go in there and say, hey, Kip and Jason, here's my question. And uh, in you know one to three minutes, give us a little background of your issue, what's going on in your world, what your question is. And that helps us answer the question better. For example, I get a lot of questions from people who say, hey, I want to become a pen tester. What should I take next? And I'm like, okay, well, where in the world do you live? What's your background? What certs do you already have? What degrees do you already have? How many jobs have you already had? All that goes into my answer of what should you take next? Because if you're a brand new person, you should probably start with A+, plus, Network+, plus, and Security+, plus to learn the fundamentals before going to become a pen tester. But if you've been in the industry for 5, 10 years, and you've been an IT administrator, and now you're like, I want to move into cybersecurity, it's a different answer, right? And so knowing your background is going to help us give you a better answer. So please, uh, in, if you're leaving us one of those questions, the more information you can give us, the better we can help you. On the other side, don't give us so much information that it's a 20-minute podcast episode you're leaving <laughs> us. Uh, one to three minutes helps. Uh, it gets us through uh, quickly so we can try to answer your questions. And you can do that at yourcyberpath.com slash ask, A-S-K. I forgot we made it so easy. That's cool. I always make it easy, Kip. That, that's, that's my thing. So if you're thinking like, what is it? Like, it's probably the thing you think it is. <laughs> probably, yeah. Like, okay. hey, where's the beta exam? It's at the slash beta page. Yeah. <laughs> well, I... I'm grateful that you bring that to the team. So thank you. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, in previous episodes, uh, we've mentioned that there are 10 security architecture and design principles that are so amazing and so useful that they were originally published in a paper in 1975. I got to think that a lot of you who are listening right now, you weren't even around in 1975. And Not so, just listeners, Kip. I wasn't around in 1975. <laughs> I was, but I wasn't thinking about cybersecurity or computer security or any of this stuff. So, um, but you were listen, a little child. <laughs> I was. I was a little snot-nosed kid running around causing havoc, for sure. Uh, 
So we're going to do one episode for each of these uh, principles so that you can understand each one and use them on the job. That's what we really want to see you do. What we found is that when we use them on the job, the quality of our work is higher and our supervisors are happier with what we're doing because all the technology around is changing all the time. These principles endure. They don't change very often. Last time we talked about something called fail-safe defaults. I think we beat that one to death, so let's not talk about that anymore. Today, we're going to talk about one of Jason's favorite <laughs> security design <laughs> principles, the one he complains about the most. Right, Jason? Yeah, so, you know, it's not that I complain about it, except the fact that I hate the way that they call it this, because... That sounds kind of complaining. The, the, the title for it makes no sense to me, right? Um, the thing makes sense, and I understand it, but the title, for those in the audience who are wondering, what the heck are these guys talking about? It says, Complete Mediation. And, and when I hear that, I'm thinking about, like, you know, a husband and wife going to the lawyer's office, trying I, to work through their problems and talking through it. So hopefully they don't get a divorce. And, and, and like to me, I, that's what I think about with mediation. And I know that's not what we're talking about here, Kim, but that's what it's titled. And that's why it annoys me is because it's it, it's called complete mediation. I'm like, what the heck does that have to do with cybersecurity? Yeah. And, and once I looked at the definition, I'm like, oh, yeah, I use that all the time. But just the words complete mediation didn't make sense to me. So what is that definition, Kip? What is that security design principle of? complete mediation mean? Well, I'm going to tell you, but first I want to tell you why it's called complete mediation. <laughs> because the people who wrote this paper that we're pulling this information from, super smart guys, but they came out of academia. And so they, I mean, you can, right? We know. Yep. <laughs> when we read an academic paper, it's obvious, right? And so that's one of the things that's going on here is we're kind of translating a little bit from a clinical, fairly sterile view of how this all works. We're trying to bring it into the real world and, 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 and make it and turn it into a practical tool for you. So in the paper, they say complete mediation means that the protection me mechanism should check every access to every object. Now, I'm going to tell you what that means in the digital sense in a moment. But first, I want to offer you a real world example, something that we have all experienced, some of us more often than others which is airport screening, right? So when you go through the airport screening, you're trying to get on your airplane. Every single person, every single object that passes through the security checkpoint, which by the way is also called a choke point, which is another security design principle that somebody else you know, shared. We'll talk about that some other time, uh, is inspected. So, so when you go to the, to the airport, there is complete mediation. That's one of the real world examples I have. Jason's got one, right? Yeah. You know, when I was reading through it and I was thinking about these protection mechanisms needing to check every access to every object, I was thinking back to when my kids were little yeah. and they'd come up to mom and they would say, Hey mom, I want to get a snack from the kitchen. Is that okay? And she'd say, well, what snack do you want? And they say, Oh, I want, uh, you know, uh, a Snickers bar. And she'd be like, no, you can't have that, but you can have some grapes. Okay. And they go to the kitchen to get their grapes and, and they eat their grapes. Right. And then if they didn't want to go ask mom again, they go back to the kitchen and get more grapes, but they're not supposed to because, you know, they were only per permitted or allowed uh, access to that object at that particular time. And then once they were done with it, if they want to come back three hours later, they had to ask again, right? Hey, can I have some gra more grapes now? Because we don't want to ruin their dinner. A and that's the way I think about this protection mechanism is, you know, every access, every time on every object, right? Everything should right. be checked. Um, and, and I know we do this all the time in the digital world. It happens all the time behind the scenes without even realizing it. 
when you're logging into your email, when you're logging into your computer, when you're logging into different programs, when you're accessing things over the network, all of these things have different access checkpoints uh, for each object you're trying to access, whether it's a file, whether it's a website, whether it's a port, uh, all those type of things, right? Um, yeah, you know, you were talking about the digital part, right? So let's let's switch back over to the digital part. Sure. And uh, you know, how do we do this in something like Windows? Right. So um, here's where we've got to go a little on uh, Windows internals, right? Uh, I'm not trying to turn everybody here into a programming expert or an API expert or anything like that. I'm going to keep it as simple as I can. But it is important to understand that deep inside of the Windows operating system, every Windows operating system since Windows NT, which was a long time ago, there is something in there, a little piece of logic, a little piece of code called a security reference monitor. SRM is what it's often uh, referred to. So if you went and read the Windows API or the development do developer documentation, you'll find this in here. Okay, so now, what is the SRM? Well, we talked about this in the last episode when we were talking about fail-safe defaults, but it the SRM is, is doing that complete mediation. Every time you try to access something that has an access control list that can be restricted from users, then that's, when, that's what the SRM uh, does, is it checks to see, are you really allowed to look at this thing? And, um, and that's the complete mediation. Now, uh, here's something, though, that we have to understand about, uh, about Windows, is that it was originally designed, this SRM, to do complete mediation. In other words, if I uh, touched a file, and then I came back and touched it again right away, the SRM should check fully and completely both times, who is this and are you allowed to get to this resource? Well, in early versions of Windows, it turned out that by doing that, it was like trying to get through the checkpoint at the airport, super, super slow. Now, when you go through the checkpoint at the airport, speed is not their top priority. We know that, right? We live that. But in an operating system, if, you're, if, it's, if you can't use it because it's so slow, no one's going to buy it. No one's going to use it. It's optional. So Microsoft said, yeah, that's not going to work. So what they did is they actually made some compromises to this complete mediation principle. And so instead of checking every single time you try to uh, access a file or folder, the SRM just checks to see if you've been fully authenticated once in the past few hours. And this is a uh, this is a setting that you can actually manipulate if you want. But this shortcut does a couple of things. It speeds things up a lot, and it also keeps you from having to type your username and password every single time you want to access something, even if you just accessed it two seconds ago. So this whole idea of complete mediation um, doesn't always work in the real world, and it certainly didn't work in Windows. And so that's how it's actually implemented. Now, there's some downsides when you compromise on these principles, right, Jason? Yeah, most certainly. Um, and, you know, before we go into those, I, you know, I do want to talk about the fact that, like you said, with Windows, we were doing this caching mechanism using these, these tickets, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if anybody's ever heard of the term a golden ticket or a silver ticket, um, those are things we're talking about here in the Kerberos ticketing system inside of Windows. But again, that goes really in-depth, and we're not going to go dive all the way in there. But the, the, the point I wanted to make here is that in the Windows system, they are using this cache credentials as a mechanism to speed things up. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that every system does that. And as we keep moving forward and people keep talking about zero trust, uh, you know, we have these checkpoints over and over again 
where you don't use these cash credentials or use a very, very short time on those cash credentials. In the old days, it'd be very common to authenticate once and use that same ticket for 24 hours or even up to seven days in some cases. And nowadays, we don't usually allow those to be any more than an hour at most because of that, that caching and the fact that our systems are so much faster and the, the way to reach a system. We're not using a 10 megabit per second uh, Cat3 Ethernet anymore. We're using gigabit Ethernet or 10 gig Ethernet. So an, another authentication isn't really going to slow us down that much. And right. so now we can have more security and 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 less of that caching going on. Right. So, so that's one of the things I think it's important for you guys to, to think about that as, as we, we talk about this. So and of course, to- when Windows NT first came out, we were using 486 uh, SX processors with four megs of RAM, yes. right? So the hardware just didn't have the oomph to push around the complete mediation as it was originally designed. I think if we designed Windows again today, we probably could do it, right? We wouldn't yep. probably ask somebody to authenticate, but we probably could afford the processor time to actually do complete mediation from that point of view. Um, but that's a good point that, you, that you're making is that with zero trust networking and zero trust architectures, we are actually going back to a more complete mediation uh, implementation. And so that's another actually really productive way uh, to think about it. Now, uh, another point that I want to make is that with multi-factor authentication these days, guess what? You're also using authentication tokens, which is a conceptually very similar to the shortcut that Microsoft made when it used these Kerberos tickets in order for you to have a token in your, in your digital hand and run around the network and just access all kinds of stuff without having to you know, go through a security checkpoint every time. Well, in the web world, when you authenticate to a website, you are getting a little session cookie on your computer. And that's how a lot of multi-factor authentication schemes are being uh, exploited these days, is that the criminals are figuring out if they can just reach into your browser cache and pull out that authentication token, then they can run around and impersonate you for a long, long time. So another example of how complete mediation, when it's not completely implemented, these shortcuts that we take sometimes on these architecture and design principles can have nasty consequences. So we have to be really thoughtful and really careful when either we design exceptions or if like when you work with a programmer team and they come to you and they say, I, hey, listen, our web app cannot handle complete mediation. We've got to find some way to speed this thing up. And they, and they want you to help them figure out how to make those compromises. It's your job to help them figure that out. Just do it smartly. That's, that's what we want to encourage you. Yeah, I think the big thing there is, remember that these are principles and they don't have to be followed 100%. They are not um, hard and fast rules that you must do. No one's going to come by and say, ah, you missed principle number six. Sorry, man, you're, you fail. Um, that's not the way it works. Right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, these, these aren't uh, you know, compliance requirements necessarily, but they are good principles for us to use as we think through the designs of our system. And you and I are, are, are deep in the, in the throes of designing our system for our uh, website over at Accolade. That's right. Um, and we are in version two at this point, going into version three. And there's a lot of different functionalities we're adding. And those are discussions that we're having on a daily basis with our programming team, where they say, well, it's going to cost this much to implement this level of security, or it's going to cause this much delay every time somebody wants to access your website. It's going to take 30 seconds because they got through this through a two-factor authentication for every page you load. Well, we don't want to do that. So we have to start making design choices where we might say, okay, we don't need complete mediation anymore. We need, you know, 80% mediation, right? And once you're in the system and we've checked you once or twice, what are they going to say you're good for the next, I don't know, 30 minutes? And we make those decisions as a design principle. 
Uh, the other thing I think it's important we talk about this complete mediation is remember this ties back into our triple A's of security, mm. our authentication, our authorization, and our accounting, right? And we, we talked a little about accounting in some of our earlier design principles. We talked about you need to log everything so you know what's going on. Um, but when we talk about these triple A's, the, the, the first part is that, that authentication, right? We need to make sure you are who you say you are. So when somebody goes to my website, I can say, oh, that was Kip. He logged in with Kip at email address and his password. I know that's Kip now because only Kip should have his username and password. And then we could say, now that I know you're Kip, what things can Kip access, right? And so if you're trying to access your uh, exam results, right, um, but you are not an admin and you can only access your exam results and not everyone's exam results, right? And so those are those authentication pieces uh, where the authorization comes into it and says, okay, now that I know you're Kip and I know you're an admin, you can see everyone's test scores. Or now that I know you're Kip and you're just a student account, you can only see your account and your scores. Uh, and then we would log that by having the accounting function as well. And so all of that does tie back into this complete mediation. And if you're trying to prove that you're doing complete mediation, you'd be able to look at those logs and see that. Again, the challenge here, though, is if we're doing complete mediation, that's every access, every object, every time. And I can think about just me on a daily eight-hour basis when I'm in front of my computer. I'm accessing a lot of files, a lot of emails, a lot of websites, a lot of network connections. And that would be like pages and pages and pages in our log files just for me, and I'm one user. And if I expand that to the last network I ran where I had a million end users, uh, that is a lot of logging, and that costs us a lot of money to build log it all. And so going back to our logging principle, we decide how much of that we're going to log. Are we going to log all the successful attempts or just the unsuccessful ones mm -hmm. or both? And all those kind of things go into playing when you start using these security design principles together. And it is really hard to talk about each one individually because they do interconnect so much. Excellent uh, examples. Really appreciate that, Jason. Um, you know, we could continue to beat on complete mediation, but I think we've actually done a pretty good job and we should probably quit where we're ahead. What do you think? <laughs> it sounds like a good plan, Kip. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, well, listen, as we wrap up this episode, I just want to remind you that we've got a few more uh, security design principles to go. So we're going to have, I think, three more episodes uh, in order to hit that 10, because there's 10 altogether. And um, and then, I don't know, maybe we'll release a greatest hits album. Um, <laughs> all, who knows? Don't know what we're going to do. But listen, if you're interested in accessing our show notes, or if you want to get in, a, you want to see the entire transcript of this episode, you're welcome to it. You can do whatever you want with it. All you have to do is go to yourcyberpath.com forward slash and then put the episode number in uh, and then it'll take you right to the dedicated web page for uh, each episode, not just this one, but really any episode that you want to access. And um, another suggestion I have for you is why don't you sign up for my mentor notes? So this is a, about a 500 word email I send out every other week with actionable, actionable advice to help you accelerate your career or start your cybersecurity career. So if you go to yourcyberpath.com, you can sign up for it there. If you don't like it, just unsubscribe. It's totally cool. We're not going to put you on a no-fly list. Everything's going to be fine, right? We're still going to like you. So, uh, but just give it a try. See what happens. Uh, any last words, Jason? No, I think you covered it. Uh, and again, this episode was 109. So if you want to visit the notes for this episode, just go to yourcyberpath.com slash 109 and hit enter. It'll pop right up. You can listen to the episode. You can watch the video. You can see the transcript. You can see the notes. All that kind of good stuff is right there for you. 
And as Kip said, the mentor notes is on the homepage at yourcyberpath.com. Go ahead and sign up. And uh, as he said, really easy to sign up, really easy to unsubscribe if you don't like it. But I think you'll find a lot of great value there. We're not going to spam your inbox. Uh, we'll, we'll send you an email about once a, uh, once a week, once every two weeks uh, with some great information that is not always covered here on the podcast. Uh, and it's just additional great tips and tricks and things like that that come directly from Kip. So uh, definitely check that out. And until next time, this has been Your Cyberpath. See you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Your Cyberpath. Don't miss an episode. Press the subscribe button now. If you would like to learn more about how to get your dream cybersecurity job, then be sure to visit yourcyberpath.com, where you can access the show notes, search the archive of our top tips and tricks, and discover some fantastic bonus content.